Hello everybody, today I'll be reading a bonus episode, Vodal's The Witches. The Witches by Wal Dahl, illustrated by Quentin Blake. Introducing Boy, Grandmama, The Grand High Witch, Mr. and Mrs. Jenkins, Bruno Jenkins, Mr. Stringer. A note about witches. In fairy tales, witches always wear silly black hats and black coats, and they ride on broomsticks. But this is not a fairy tale. This is about real witches. The most important thing you should know about real witches is this. Listen very carefully. Never forget what is coming next. Real witches dress in ordinary clothes and look very much like ordinary women. They live in ordinary houses and they work in ordinary jobs. That is why they are so hard to catch. A real witch hates children with a red-hot sizzling hatred that is more sizzling and red-hot than any hatred you could possibly imagine. A real witch spends all her time plotting to get rid of the children in a particular territory. Her passion is to do away with them, one by one. It is all she thinks about the whole day long. Even if she was working to cashier in a supermarket, or typing letters for a business person, or driving around in a fancy car, and she could be doing any of these things. Her mind will always be plotting and scheming and churning and burning and whizzing and fizzing with murderous, bloodthirsty thoughts. Which child? She says to herself all day long. Exactly. Which child shall I choose from my next squelching? A real witch gets the same pleasure from squelching a child as you from eating a plateful of strawberries and thick cream. She reckons on doing away with one child a week. Anything less than that, she becomes grumpy. One child a week is 52 a year. Squish them and squiggle them and make them disappear. That is the motto of all witches. Very carefully a victim is chosen. Then the witch stalks the wretched child like a hunter stalking a little bird in the forest. She treads softly. She moves quietly. She gets closer and closer. Then at last, when everything is ready, and she swoops. Sparks fly, flames leap, oil boils, rats howl, skin shrivels, and the child disappears. A witch, you must understand, does not knock children on the head or stick knives into them or shoot at them with a pistol. People who do those things get caught by the police. A witch never gets caught. Don't forget that she has magic in her fingers and devilry dancing in her blood. She can make stones jump about like fogs and she can make tongues of flame go flickering across the surface of the water. These magic powers are very frightening. Luckily, there are not a great number of real witches in the world today, but they are still quite enough to make you nervous. In England, there are probably about 100 of them altogether. Some countries have more, others have not quite so many. 
No country in the world is completely free from witches. A witch is always a woman. I do not wish to speak badly about women. Most women are lovely. But the fact remains that all witches are women. There's no such thing as a male witch. On the other hand, a ghoul is always a male. So indeed is a bargist. Both are dangerous. But neither of them is half as dangerous as a real witch. As far as children are concerned, a real witch is easily the most dangerous of all living creatures on earth. What makes her doubly dangerous is the fact that she doesn't look dangerous. Even when you know all the secrets, you'll hear about those in a minute. You can still never be quite sure whether it is a witch you're getting at or just a kind lady. If a tiger were able to make himself look like a large dog with a waggy tail, you'd probably go up and pat him on the head. And that would be the end of you. It is the same with witches. They all look like nice ladies. Kindly examine the picture below. Which lady is the witch? That is a difficult question, but it is one that every child must try to answer. For all you know, a witch might be living next door to you right now. Or she might be the woman with the bright eyes who sat opposite you on the bus this morning. She might be the lady with the dazzling smile who offered you a sweet from a white paper bag in the street before lunch. She might even, and this will make you jump, she might even be your lovely school teacher who is reading these words to you at this very moment. Look carefully at the teacher. Perhaps she's smiling at the absurdity of such a suggestion. Don't let that pull you off. It could be part of her cleverness. I'm not, of course, telling you for one second that your teacher actually is a witch. All I'm saying is that she might be one. It is most unlikely. But, and here comes the big but, it is not impossible. Oh, if only there were a way of telling for sure whether a woman was a witch or not, then we could round them all up and put them in the meat grounder. Unhappily, there's no such way, but there are a number of little signals you can look out for. Little quirky habits that all the witches have in common, and if you know about these, if you remember them always, then you might just possibly manage to escape from being squelched before you are very much older. What are we going to do now? I asked her through the tears. You will stay here with me, she said, and I will look after you. Aren't we going back to England? No, she said. I could never do that. Heaven shall take my soul, but Norway shall keep my bones. The very next day, in order that we might both try to forget our great sadness, my grandmother started telling me stories. She's a wonderful storyteller, and I was enthralled by everything she told me. But I didn't become really excited until she got onto the subject of witches. She's apparently a great expert on these creatures, and she made it very clear to me that witch stories, unlike most of the others, were not imaginary tales. They were all true. They were the gospel truth. They were history. Everything she was telling me about witches had actually happened, and I'd better believe it. What was worse, what was far, far worse, was that witches were still with us. They were all around us, and I'd better believe that too. Are you really being truthful, Grandmama? Really and truly truthful? My darling, she said, 
You won't last long in this world if you don't know how to spot a witch when you see one. But you told me that witches look like ordinary women, Grandma. So, how can I spot them? You must listen to me, my grandmother said. You must remember everything I tell you. After that, all you can do is cross your heart and pray to heaven and hope for the best. We were in the big living room of a house in Oslo and was ready for bed. The curtains were never drawn in that house and through the windows I could see huge snowflakes falling slowly onto an outside world was as black as tar. My grandmother was tremendously old and wrinkled with a massive wide body that smothered in grey lace. She sat there, majestic and armchair, feeling every inch of it. Not even a mouse could have squeezed in to sit beside her. I myself, just seven years old, was crouched onto the floor at her feet, wearing pyjamas, dressing gown and slippers. You swear you aren't pulling my leg? I kept saying to her. You swear you aren't just pretending? Listen, she said. I have known no less than five children who have simply vanished off the face of this earth, never to be seen again. The witches took them. I still think you're just trying to frighten me, I said. I am trying to make sure you don't go the same way, she said. I love you, and I want you to stay with me. Uh, Tell me about the children who disappeared, I said. My grandmother was the only grandmother I ever met who smoked cigars. She lit one round, a long black cigar, a smell of burning rubber. The first child I knew who disappeared was called Rangild Hansen. Rangild was about eight at the time, and she was playing with her little sister on the lawn. Their mother, who was baking bread in the kitchen, came outside for a breath of air. Where's Rangild? she asked. She went away with the tall lady, the little sister said. What tall lady? the mother said. The tall lady in white gloves, the little sister said. She took Rangild by the hand and led her away. No one, my grandmother said ever saw Rangild again. Didn't they search for her? I asked. They searched for miles around. Everyone in the town helped, but they never found her. What happened to the other four children? I asked. They vanished just as Rangild did. How, Grandmama? How did they vanish? In every case, a strange lady was seen outside the house just before it happened. But how did they vanish? I asked. The second one was very peculiar. My grandmother said. There was a family called Christiansen. They lived up on Holmenkoron, and they had an old oil painting in the living room that they were very proud of. The painting showed some ducks in the yard outside the farmhouse. There were no people in the painting, just a flock of ducks on the grassy farmyard and the farmyard in the background. It was a large painting and rather pretty. Well, one day, their daughter Solveig came home from school eating an apple. She said a nice lady had given it to her on the street. The next morning, 
Little Solveig was not in her bed. The parents searched everywhere. Solveig! Solveig! But they couldn't find her. Then, all of a sudden, her father shouted, There she is! Has Solveig feet in the docks? He was pointing at the oil painting. And sure enough, Solveig was in it. She was standing in the farmyard in the act of throwing bread to the ducks out of a basket. The father rushed up to the painting and touched her, but that didn't help. She was simply a part of the painting, just a picture painted on the canvas. Did you ever see that painting, Grandmama, with the little girl in it? Many times, my grandmother said. And the peculiar thing was that little Solveig kept changing her position in the picture. One day she would actually be inside the farmhouse and you could see her face looking out of the window. Another day she would be far over to the left with a duck in her arms. Did you see her moving in the picture, Grandmama? Nobody did. Wherever she was, whether outside feeding the ducks or inside looking out of the window, she was always motionless. Just a figure painted in oils. It was all very odd. My grandmother said, Very odd indeed. And what was most odd of all was that as the years went by, she kept growing older in the picture. In ten years, the small girl had become a young woman. In thirty years, she was middle-aged. Then all at once, fifty-four years after it all happened, she disappeared from the picture altogether. <gasps> You mean she died? I said. Who knows? My grandmother said. Some very mysterious things go on in the world of witches. That's two you've told me about, I said. What happened to the third one? The third one was little Birgit Svensson. She lived just across the road from us. One day she started growing feathers all over her body. Within a month, she had turned into a large white chicken. Her parents kept her for years in a pen in the garden. She even laid eggs. What color eggs? I said. Brown ones. My grandmother said. Biggest eggs I've ever seen in my life. Her mother made omelets out of them. Delicious they were. I gazed up at my grandmother, who said they like some ancient queen on a throne. Her eyes were misty grey, and they seemed to be looking at something many miles away. The cigar was the only real thing about her at the moment, and the smoke it made billowed round her head in blue clouds. But the little girl who became a chicken didn't disappear, I said. No, not Birgit. She lived on for many years, laying her brown eggs. You said all of them disappeared. I made a mistake. My grandmother said, I am getting old. I can't remember everything. What happened to the fourth child? The fourth was a boy called Harold. My grandmother said, One morning his skin went all grayish yellow. Then it became hard and crackly, like the shell of a nut. By evening the boy had turned to stone. Stone? I said. You mean real stone? Granite. She said. I'll take you to see him if you like. They still keep him in the house. He stands in the hall, a little stone statue. Visitors lean their umbrellas up against him. 
Although I was very young, I was not prepared to believe everything my grandmother told me. And yet she spoke with such conviction, with such utter seriousness, and with never a smile on her face or twinkle in an eye, that I found myself beginning to wonder. Go on, Grandmamma, I said. You told me there were five altogether. What happened to the last one? Would you like a puff of my cigar? She said. I'm only seven, Grandmamma. I don't care what age you are, she said. You'll never catch a cold if you smoke cigars. What about number five, Grandmamma? Number five, <sighs> she said, chewing the end of the cigars though it were delicious asparagus. With rather an interesting case. A nine-year-old boy called Leif was summer holidaying with his family on the fjord. And the whole family was picnicking and swimming off some rocks on one of those little islands. Young Leif dived into the water. And his father, who was watching him, noticed that he stayed under for an unusually long time. When he came to the surface, at last, he wasn't Leif anymore. What was he, Grandmama? He was a purpoise. He wasn't! He couldn't have been! He was a lovely young purpoise. She said. And as friendly as could be. Grandmama, I said. Yes, my darling? Did he really and truly turn into a purpoise? Absolutely. I knew his mother well. She told me all about it. She told me how Leif, the purpose, stayed with them all that afternoon, giving his brothers and sisters rides on his back. They had a wonderful time. Then he waved a flipper at them and swam away, never to be seen again. But Grandmama, I said, how did they know that the purpose was actually Leif? He talked to them. My grandmother said. He laughed and joked with them. All the time he was giving them rides. But wasn't there much tremendous fuss when this happened? I asked. Not much. My grandmother said. You must remember that here in Norway, we are used to that sort of thing. There are witches everywhere. There's probably one living in our street this very moment. It's time you went to bed. A witch wouldn't come in through my window in the night, would she? I asked, quaking a little. No, my grandmother said. A witch will never do silly things like climbing up drain pipes or breaking into people's houses. You'll be quite safe in your bed. Come along, I'll tuck you in. How to recognize a witch. The next evening, after my grandmother giving me a bath, she took me once again into the living room for another story. Tonight... The old woman said, I am going to tell you how to recognize a witch when you see one. Can you always be sure? I asked. No, she said. You can't, and that's the trouble, but you can make a pretty good guess. She was dropping cigar ash all over her lap, and I hope she wasn't going to catch on fire before she told me how to recognize a witch. In the first place, she said, a real witch is certain always to be wearing gloves when you meet her. Oh, surely not always, I said. What about in the summer when it's hot? Even in the summer, my grandmother said. She has to. Do you want to know why? 
Why? I said. Because she doesn't have fingernails. Instead of fingernails, she has thin, curvy claws. Like a cat. And she wears the gloves to hide them. Mind you, lots of very respectable women wear gloves. Especially in winter. So... This doesn't help you very much. Mama used to wear gloves, I said. Not in the house, my grandmother said. Witches wear gloves even in the house. They only take them off when they go to bed. How do you know all this, Grandmama? Don't interrupt, she said. Just take it all in. The second thing to remember is that a real witch is always bald. Bald? I said. Bald as a boiled egg, my grandmother said. I was shocked. There's something indecent about a bald woman. Why are they bald, Grandma? Don't ask me why, she snapped. But you can take it from me that not a single hair grows on a witch's head. Ah, uh, how horrid! Disgusting, my grandmother said. Well, if she's bald, she'll be easy to spot, I said. Not at all, my grandmother said. A real witch always wears a wig to hide her baldness. She wears a first-class wig. And it is almost impossible to tell a real first-class wig from ordinary hair unless you give it a pull to see if it comes off. That's all you, I said. Don't be foolish. You can't go around pulling at the hair of every lady you meet even if she is wearing gloves. Just you try it and see what happens. Hmm, so that doesn't help much either, I said. None of these things is any good on its own, my grandmother said. It's only when you put them all together that they begin to make a little sense. Mind you, these wigs do cause a rather serious problem for witches. What problem, Grandmama? They make the scalp itch most terribly. You see, when an actress wears a wig, or if you or I were to wear a wig, we would be putting it on over our own hair. But the witch has to put it straight onto her naked scalp. And the underneath of a wig is always very rough and scratchy. It sets up a frightful itch on the bald skin. It causes nasty sores on the head. Wig rush, the witches call it, and it doesn't half itch. What other things must I look for to recognize a witch? I asked. Look for the nose holes, my grandmother said. Witches have slightly larger nose holes than ordinary people. The rim of each nose hole is pink and curvy, like the rim of a certain kind of seashell. Why do they have such big nose holes? I asked. For smelling with. A real witch has the most amazing powers of smell. She can actually smell out a child who is standing on the other side of the street on a pitch black night. She couldn't smell me, I said. I've just had a bath. Oh yes, she could. The cleaner you happen to be, the more smelly you are to a witch. That can't be true. An absolutely clean child gives off the most ghastly stench to a witch. The dirtier you are, the less you smell. But that doesn't make sense, Grandmama. Oh, yes, it does. It isn't the dirt that the witch is smelling. 
it is you. The smell that drives the rich mad actually comes right out of your own skin. It comes oozing out of your skin in waves, and these waves stink waves. The witches call them. Go floating through the air and hit the witch right smack in her nostrils. They send her reeling. Now wait a minute, Grandmama. Don't interrupt. The point is this. When you haven't washed for a week and your skin is all covered over with dirt, then quite obviously the stink waves cannot come oozing out nearly so strong. I shall never have a bath again. Just don't have one too often. Once a month is quite enough for a sensible child. It was a moment like these that I loved my grandmother though more than ever. Grandmama, I said, if it's a dark night, how can a witch smell the difference between a child and a grown-up? Because grown-ups don't give out stink waves, she said. Only children do that. But I don't really give out stink waves, do I? I said. I'm not giving them out at this very moment, am I? Not to me you aren't. To me you are smelling like raspberries and cream. But to which you must be smelling absolutely disgusting. What would I be smelling of? Dog's droppings. I reeled. I was stunned. Dog's droppings? I cried. I am not smelling of dog's droppings. I don't believe it. I want to believe it. What's more? My grandmother said. Speaking with a touch of relish. To which you'd be smelling of fresh dog's droppings. That's simply not true. I cried. I know I'm not smelling of dog's droppings, stale or fresh. There's no point in arguing about it. It's a fact of life. I was outraged. I simply couldn't bring myself to believe what my grandmother was telling me. So, if you see a woman holding her nose as she passes you in the streets, that woman could easily be a witch. I decided to change the subject. Tell me, what else to look for in a witch? The eyes. Look carefully at the eyes. Because the eyes of a real witch are different from yours and mine. Look in the middle of each eye where there's normally a little black dot. If she is a witch, the black dot will keep changing color. And you will see fire and you will see eyes dancing right in the very center of the colored dot. It will send shivers running all over your skin. My grandmother leaned back in a chair and sucked away contentedly at a found black cigar. I squatted on the floor, staring up at her, fascinated. She was not smiling. She looked deadly serious. Are there other things? I asked her. Of course there are other things. You don't seem to understand that witches are not actually women at all. They look like women. They talk like women. And they are able to act like a woman. But in actual fact, they are totally different animals. They are demons in the human shape. That is why they have claws and bald heads and clear noses and peculiar eyes, all of which they have to conceal as best they can from the rest of the world. What else is different about them, Grandmama? The feet, she said. Witches never have toes. No toes? I cried. They, what do they have? They just have feet. The feet have square ends with no toes on them at all. Does that make it difficult to walk? Not at all, but it does give them a problem with their shoes. All ladies like to wear smaller of the pointy shoes.
Why doesn't she wear wide, comfy shoes with square ends? I asked. She dare not. Just as she hides her baldness with a wig, she must also hide her ugly witch's feet by squeezing them into pretty shoes. Isn't that terribly uncomfortable? I said. Extremely uncomfortable, my grandmother said. But she has to put up with it. If she's wearing ordinary shoes, it won't help me to recognize her really, Grandmama. I'm afraid it won't, my grandmother said. You might possibly see her limping very slightly, but only if you were watching closely. Are those the only differences then, Grandmama? There's one more. Just one more. What is it, Grandmama? Their spit is blue. Blue? I cried. Not blue. That spit can't be blue. Blue is a bilberry, she said. You don't mean it, Grandmama. Nobody can have blue spit. Witches can, she said. Is it like ink? Exactly. They even use it to write with. They use those old-fashioned pens that have nibs and they simply lick the nib. Can you notice the blue spit, Grandmama? If a witch was talking to me, would I be able to notice it? Only if you looked carefully. If you looked very carefully, you would probably see a slight bluish tinge on her teeth. But it doesn't show much. It would if she spat. Witches never spit. They don't. I couldn't believe my grandmother would be lying to me. She went to church every morning of the week and she said grace before every meal and somebody who did that would never tell lies. I was beginning to believe every word she spoke. So there you are. That's all I can tell you. None of it is very helpful. You can still never be absolutely sure whether a woman is a witch or not just by looking at her. But if she is wearing the gloves, if she has the large nose holes, the queer eyes and the hair that looks as though it might be a wig, and if she has a bluish tinge on her teeth, if she has all of these things, then you run like mad. Grandmama, I said, when you were a little girl, did you ever meet a witch? Once. My grandmother said. Only once. What happened? I'm not going to tell you. It would frighten you out of your skin and give you bad dreams. Please tell me, I begged. No. Certain things are too horrible to talk about. Does it have something to do with your missing thumb? I asked. Suddenly, her old wrinkled lips shut tight as a pair of tongs and the hand that held the cigar, which had no thumb on it, began to quiver very slightly. I waited. She didn't look at me. She didn't speak. All of a sudden, she had shut herself off completely. The conversation was finished. Good night, Grandma, I said, rising from the floor and kissing her on the cheek. She didn't move. I crept out of the room and went to my bedroom. The Grand High Witch The next day, a man in a black suit arrived at the house carrying a briefcase and he held a long conversation with my grandmother in the living room. I was not allowed in while he was there, but when at last he went away, my grandmother came in to me, walking very slowly and looking very sad. That man was reading me your father's will. She said, What is a will? It is something you write before you die. She said, 
and in it you say who is going to have your money and your property. But most of all, it says who is going to look after your child if both the mother and father are dead. A fearful panic took hold of me. It did say you, Grandmama, I cried. I don't have to go to somebody else, do I? No. Your father would never have done that. He has asked me to take care of you for as long as I live, but he has also asked that I take you back to your own house in England. He wants us to stay there. But why? I said. Why can't we stay here in Norway? It would hate to live anywhere else. You told me you would. I know. But there are a lot of complications with money and with the house that you wouldn't understand. Also, it says in the will that although all your family is Norwegian, you are born in England and you have started your education there and he wants you to continue going to English schools. Oh, Grandmama! I cried. You don't want to go and live in our English house. I know you don't. Of course I don't. But I am afraid I must. The will said that your mother felt the same way about it. And it is important to respect the wishes of the parents. There was no way out of it. We had to go to England and my grandmother started making arrangements at once. Your next school term begins in a few days, she said. So we don't have any time to waste. On the evening before we left for England, my grandmother got onto her favourite subject once again. There are not as many witches in England as there are in Norway, she said. I'm sure I won't meet one, I said. I sincerely hope you don't, because those English witches are probably the most vicious in the whole world. As she sat there, smoking a foul cigar and talking away, I kept looking at the hand with the missing thumb. I couldn't help it. I was fascinated by it, and I kept wondering what awful thing had happened that time when she had met a witch. It must have been something absolutely appalling and gruesome. Otherwise, she would have told me about it. Maybe the thumb had been twisted off. Or perhaps she had been forced to jam her thumb down the spout of a boiling kettle until it was steamed away. Or did someone pull it out of her hand like a tooth? I couldn't help trying to guess. Tell me, what does English witches do, Grandmama? I said. Well, she said, sucking away at her stinking cigar. Their favorite ruse is to mix up a powder that would turn a child into some creature or other that all grown-ups hate. What sort of a creature, Grandmama? Often it's a slug. A slug is one of their favorites. Then the grown-ups step on the slug and squish it without knowing it's a child. That's perfectly beastly, I cried. Or it might be a flea. They might turn you into a flea and without realizing what sh- she was doing, your own mother would get out the flea powder and then it's goodbye you. Psh! You're making me nervous, Grandmama. I don't think I want to go back to England. I've known English witches who have turned children into pheasants and then sneaked the pheasants up into the woods the very day before the pheasant shooting season opened. Ouch, I said. So they get shot? Of course they get shot. And then they get plucked and roasted and eaten for supper. But Grandmama, I said, if nobody has ever seen the Grand High Witch, how can you be so sure she exists? My grandmother gave me a long and very severe look. Nobody has ever seen the devil, 
she said, but we know he exists. The next morning, we sailed for England, and soon I was back in the old family house in Kent, this time with only my grandmother to look after me. Then the Eastern term began, and every weekday I went to school, and everything seemed to have come back to normal again. Now, at the bottom of our garden, there's an enormous conker tree, and high up upon its branches, Timmy, my best friend, and I had started to build a magnificent tree house. We were able to work on it only at the weekends. We were getting along fine. We had begun with the floor, which we built by laying wide planks between two quite far apart branches and nailing them down. Within a month, we had finished the floor. Then, we constructed a wooden railing round the floor and I left only the roof to be built. The roof was the difficult bit. One Saturday afternoon, when Timmy was in bed with flu, I decided to make a start on the roof all by myself. It was lovely being high up there in that conch tree, all alone with the pale young leaves coming out everywhere around me. It was like being in a green cave, and the height made it extra exciting. My grandmother had told me that if I fell, I'd break a leg, and every time I looked down, I got a tingle up my spine. I pictured myself as a pheasant, flying frantically over the men with the guns, swerving and dipping as the guns exploded below me. Yes, it gives the English reaches great pleasure to stand back and watch the grown-ups doing away with their own children. I really don't want to go to England, Grandmama. Of course you don't, nor do I, but I'm afraid we've got to. Oh, which is different in every country. Completely different, but I don't know much about the other countries. Don't you even know about America? I asked. Not really, although I have heard it's said that over there the witches are able to make the grown-ups eat their own children. Never! I cried. Oh no, Grandmama! That couldn't be true! I don't know whether it's true or not. It's only a rumor I've heard. But how could they possibly make them eat their own children? I asked. By turning them into hot dogs. That wouldn't be too difficult for a clever witch. Does every single country in the world have its witches? I asked. Wherever you find people, you find witches. There is a secret society of witches in every country. And do they all know one another, Grandmama? They do not. A witch only knows the witches in her own country. She is strictly forbidden to communicate with any foreign witches. But an English witch, for example, would know all the other witches in England. They are all friends. They ring each other up. They swap deadly recipes. Goodness knows what else they talk about. I hate to think. Hello? I sat on the floor, watching my grandmother. She put a cigar stub in the ashtray and folded her hands across her stomach. Once a year, the witches of each separate country hold their own secret meeting. They all get together in one place to receive a lecture from the Grand High Witch of all the world. From who? I cried. She is the ruler of them all. She is all-powerful. She is without mercy. All other witches are petrified of her. They see her only once a year at their annual meeting. She goes there to whip up excitement and enthusiasm and to give orders. (laughs) 
the Grand High Witch travels from country to country attending these annual meetings. Where do they have these meetings, Grandmama? There are all sorts of rumors. I've heard it said that they just book into a hotel like any other group of women who are holding a meeting. I've also heard it said that some very peculiar things go on in the hotels they stay in. It is rumored that the beds are never slept in, that there are burnt marks on the bedroom carpets, that toads are discovered in the bathtubs, and that down in the kitchen the cook once found a baby crocodile swimming in his saucepan of soup. My grandmother picked up a cigar and took another puff, inhaled in the foul smoke deeply in her lungs. Where does the Grand High Witch live when she's at home? I asked. Nobody knows. If we knew that, then she could be rooted out and destroyed. Witchophiles all over the world have spent their lives trying to discover the secret headquarters of the Grand High Witch. What is a witchophile, Grandmama? A person who studies witches and knows a lot about are you a witchophile, Grandmama? I'm a retired witchophile. I'm too old to be active any longer. But when I was younger, I traveled all over the globe trying to track down the Grand High Witch. I never came even close to succeeding. Is she witch? I asked. She's rolling. My grandmother said. Simply rolling in money. Rumor has it that there is a machine in her headquarters which is exactly like the machine the government uses to print the banknotes you and I use. After all, banknotes are only bits of paper with special designs and pictures on them. Anyone can make them who has the right machine and the right paper. My guess is that the Grand High Witch makes all the money she wants and she dishes it out to witches everywhere. What about foreign money, I asked. Those machines can make Chinese money if you want them to. It's only a question of pressing the right button. Bing! I worked away, nailing the first plank on the roof. Then, suddenly, out of the corner of my eye, I caught sight of a woman standing immediately below me. She was looking up at me and smiling in the most peculiar way. When most people smile, their lips go out sideways. This woman's lip went upwards and downwards, showing all her front teeth and gums. The gums were like raw meat. It is always a shock to discover that you are being watched when you think you are all alone. And what was this strange woman doing in our garden anyway? I noticed that she was wearing a small black hat, and she had black gloves on her hands, and the gloves came nearly up to her elbows. Gloves! She was wearing gloves! I froze all over. I have a present for you, she said, still staring at me, still smiling, still showing her teeth and gums. I didn't answer. Come down the tree, little boy, she said, and I shall give you most Her voice had a curious rasping quality and made a sort of metallic sound as though her throat was full of drawing pins. Without taking her eyes from my face, she very slowly put one of those gloved hands into her purse and drew out a small green snake. She held it up for me to see. It's time, she said. The snake began to coil itself round her form. 
It was brilliant green. If you come down here, I shall give him to you, she said. Oh, Grandmama, I thought, come and help me. Then I panicked. I dropped the hammer and shot up the enormous tree like a monkey. I didn't stop until I was as high as I possibly could go, and I stayed quivering with fear. I couldn't see the woman now. There were layers and layers of leaves between her and me. I stayed up there for hours, and I kept very still. It began to grow dark. At last, I heard my grandmother calling my name. I'm up here, I shouted back. Come down at once, she called out. It's past your supper time. Grandmama, I shouted. Has that woman gone? What woman? My grandmother called back. The woman in the black gloves. The silence from below was the silence of somebody who was too stunned to speak. Grandmama, I shouted again. Has she gone? Yes. My grandmother answered at last. She's gone. I'm here, darling. I'll look after you. You can come down now. I climbed down. I was trembling. My grandmother enfolded me in arms. I've seen a witch, I said. Come inside. You'll be all right with me. She led me to the house and gave me a cup of hot cocoa with lots of sugar in it. Tell me everything, she said. I told her. By the time I'd finished, it was my grandmother who was trembling. Her face was ashy grey, and I saw her glance down at that hand of hers that didn't have a thumb. You know what this means. It means that there is one of them in our district. From now on, I'm not letting you walk alone to school. Do you think she could be after me especially? I asked. No, I doubt that. One child is as good as any other to those creatures. It is hardly surprising that after that I became a very witch-conscious little boy. If I happened to be alone on the road and saw a woman approaching who was wearing gloves, I'd quickly skip across to the other side, and as the weather remained pretty cold during the whole of that month, nearly everybody was wearing gloves. Curiously enough, though, I never saw the woman with the green snake again. That was my first witch. But it wasn't my last. Thank you for listening to part one of The Witches.